My name is Matthew Becker. As the owner of a fitness facility and an attorney, I have a lot of things that I need to get done in a day. I've spent the last few years developing strategies that allow me to constantly move forward while also living the best life that I can live. On this podcast, I share those strategies with you along with other thoughts and ideas that allow you to live your best life through the concept of the aggregation of marginal gains. We are back on another episode of The Stronger Revolution. It was just going to be me, Matthew Becker, here today, but surprisingly, at the last moment, in came... Adam Crumbush. Adam Crumbush is back on the podcast for episode number two of Habits and Habit Forming. Yay, Adam! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) So before we get started into today's episode, which is all going to be tied together as I go here, I have to make a correction. The correction is going to come with a story. When I was in law school, I had a civil procedure... No, wait. What was it? It was a pre-trial advocacy class. Doesn't that sound exciting, Adam? It doesn't. None of it. (laughs) So it was a class on how to take depositions and write interrogatories, etc., etc. Really not interesting things. But I had a professor... Wow, I can hear that. Don't hit the table. Um... I had a professor who was a judge, and he always said that despite the number of times that you look up your civil procedure rules, which are the rules that govern courts, despite how much you look up the the civil procedure rules, always check them again before you ever do anything. So regardless of how many times you've looked up, what is the timetable for mailing a complaint? Always look it up again. I did not heed this advice. Mm. When it came to your professional life. Um, I mean, I, I did for the most part when I practiced the law, but not when I was recording podcasts. So his oh, advice did not sink in. So perhaps one thing you could take from this episode is that regardless of how many times you've done something and how well you think you know information, double check it. Mm. So last episode, I laid out the equation for a habit, which is essentially behavior modification, which is B equals MAP, or BMAP, as I like to call it. BMAP. BMAP. And I said behavior equals motivation, action, and prompt. And I said that through the entire episode. And then I went home later that week, and I was reading portions of Tiny Habits, by B.J. Fogg, the book that I've been referencing in these episodes, and I realized that uh, it's not action. BMAP stands for Behavior Equals Motivation, Ability, and Prompt. Boom. Should have checked it beforehand. So first and foremost, I need to apologize for my error and make that correction. Adjust your notes. As such, listeners, today's entire episode is going to be on ability. So Adam, when I say ability as being part of behavior equals motivation, ability, and prompt, very simply, what do you think ability means in the the realm of trying to form a new habit? 
I would just guess that ability would mean I can't form a habit of something that I can't currently do. Hey, very good. So in the last episode, we talked very briefly about motivation. And I said uh, there's typically two forms of motivation um, that go into play when you're trying to either perform a new action or perform a new habit or whatever it is. One being this really deep-seated motivation of something that you just want to do and that there's a purpose behind doing it, et cetera, et cetera. And assuming that you do want to engage in this activity, that your desire is there, but you're still having a lack of motivation, it's probably because the action, which also then goes into this uh, episode, the behavior or the ability to carry out the behavior is too hard. So motivation in and of itself will only get us so far. Adam, I'm sure in the past you have wanted to try something new and you get super motivated to do it. Like reading a book for me. Hmm. And I read, I start into the book and I'm like, I just want to do nothing but read this book. And then by about 200 of the 250 pages in, I'm really just sort of struggling in order to finish those last 50 pages because I just don't have any motivation to read it anymore. Yes. Can you think of an instance, Adam? I wish that's happened to you. Well, I immediately thought of a book that I had started that I was excited to read, but other things. Uh, I would say maybe like certain movements like the butterfly pull-up. Having a kid? Having a kid? Uh, Well, that one was maybe a... (laughs) The ability was in the science, but it ended up working out, I guess. Um, And now you kind of lost motivation to have a kid. No, (laughs) we're looking to have more. Oh, shit. (laughs) I would say at least four. Oh, crap. I just swore on the podcast. You can go back and edit it. Shoot. No, now I have to put the explicit sign on it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Find a word in another language that is that exact word. Okay. Uh, Butterfly pull-up. Yeah. So excited are- to learn. I've asked you to give me some training lessons on it. You've you've generously done so. We've even like made commitments to do so more often. And then it just kind of falls by the wayside because I find the the action to be too hard. I don't currently have the ability to do one easily, and therefore I, I kind of go in and out of even trying. Yeah. So that's an example of where when we come out of the gate and we have a new activity, that motivation is really cool and it's really high, and we're like, yeah. And we're going to try, even though we may not have the ability to do so. But that's only going to get us so far. And eventually that, mo- that um, motivation is going to start to taper off. And we can see this with individuals when they come to me or, I don't know, maybe your students come to you, Adam. Sure. And they say something like, I really want to do X. I just can't, for whatever reason, do it. Mm-hmm. Right? And usually what that means is that their motivation is coming down and they don't really have the ability to do it. So they are stuck under what is called the action threshold of not being able to perform the behavior itself. So what do we have to do at this point? We touched on this last episode also. We have to then make the action so small and easy and simple that you just don't have an excuse to not do it. Mm. Um, In the the book Tiny Habits, he uses an example of push-ups. If you get super motivated to want to start to do push-ups and all of a sudden you jump in and you try to do 20 push-ups going from zero, and I think last episode I used the analogy of 100 push-ups, you're not going to be able to do it tomorrow because you have no ability to do that 20 push-ups or you don't have the ability to do 100 push-ups in a day. 
So the ability is way over and you have the motivation to do it in the beginning. So you try to do it for a couple of days, but it doesn't work. And then you stop doing it because your motivation comes down very quickly. Mm-hmm. At that point, in order to continue to form the habit, you have to make the ability to do the behavior so easy. Manageable. Manageable, sure. So in the book, he uses the example of instead of trying to do 20 push-ups a day, you try to do two wall push-ups. Mm. Pretty simple. Right. I would guess that majority of the people who could listen to this could do two push-ups against a wall. Yeah. Another way that he uses it, and again, mentioned last episode, was the flossing of the teeth. He wanted to form a habit of flossing his teeth. He couldn't quite get there, so what he tried to do was pare this way down, so he literally flossed one tooth. (laughs) Okay. So can you floss one tooth a day? Sure. If you have an excuse not to floss one tooth a day, is it fair to say you probably just don't want to floss your teeth? Yes. Right. So we've now made the ability to do the move, to do whatever action or behavior it is so small Mm -hmm. that even short of like no motivation at all, very low motivation, you can still perform the ability. And then from there, it grows. Right. So what I'm hearing is don't dive into the deep end of the pool when you're looking to start a habit. Start slow with a foundation of an ability that you know you can easily do, accomplish, leading to that action, building that habit. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Start with that foundation of an ability that you can confidently accomplish in an easy level, small, obtainable goals. Yes. And that's going to lead you to moving forward. I think small is the key phrase there. Small. Um not necessarily, well, I guess, I mean, I guess you could say it manageable, but I think then you kind of get into the weeds of defining what manageable would be, whereas small is pretty understandable. Next, uh, discussing ability, BJ Fogg goes into what he calls the ability chain. So we've basically taken motivation, and we've gotten motivation out of the picture by making the habit so small and easy that you don't really need motivation in order to carry it out. So what might still get into our way? He lists, uh, BJ Fogg, now five different questions that are all part of this ability chain. And these are five different questions that you could bring into consideration to question whether or not, despite even paring that ability or that behavior down so small that you have the ability to do it, you may still end up not able to carry out the actual behavior. And Adam, would you mind working through those five different questions yeah, sure. for us? So sure. ability chain number one. This is, do you have enough time to do the behavior? Okay, so if you don't have any time, it's just not gonna happen. Next. Do you have enough money to do the behavior? Okay. So some, I guess some, some habits are gonna come at a cost. Right? Like, um, you know, if you want to start heading to the gym, there's a membership fee, right? There you go. Yeah, exactly. Um, three, are you physically capable of doing the behavior? Again, 100 push-ups after the day after not being able to do any push-ups. Number four, does the behavior require a lot of creative or mental energy? This one I find really interesting with the whole mental energy aspect of it. And the way that I usually think about this one is... When I want to take on a new task, sometimes just the daunting nature of the task. I, actually, I can give you a prime example. So podcasting is something that I'm trying to make a habit, mm. right? So that I'm doing this on a regular basis 
so that I'm covering various topics and you included Adam that we're meeting on a regular basis to try to record things. Uh, yesterday, yeah, I was meeting with a client and I was talking about my last episode that we did on habits. And I said that I had got it all posted and everything, but I hadn't promoted it yet. And the part of that promotion is to stick it out on Instagram with a sound blurb from the podcast itself that people can then sort of like wets their whistle, if you will, to go listen to the actual episode. The problem there is I first have to record the podcast. Then I have to edit the podcast. Then I have to upload it. Then I have to post it. Then I have to do a blog post as part of the posting of it. Then I have to get it uploaded. And it's like this step-by-step-by-step-by-step process that can become almost mentally draining to think about everything I have to do just to get the podcast and post on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Even though each one of those is a manageable task, knowing that you have to do all of them at once drains you. Right. Yeah. The fifth one, does the behavior fit into your current routine? Or does it require you to make adjustments? And I think this is another really big one too. We talked, um, God, I keep saying that. We talked last episode, but we did, about the difference between a habit and a routine. And basically I said, a habit is generally one action, whereas a routine is potentially a series of habits put together. Mm -hmm. So if we're looking at like a morning routine or an evening routine and you want to put flossing your teeth in there, does it fit into your current morning or evening routine? Or if you don't even have an evening routine and you want to put fl- and you want to start flossing your teeth, do you need to start creating an evening routine in order to fit it in there? Mm. What I'm noticing about each each of these five things that they have in common is they're each limited. You only have so much time in a day and in a week. You only have so much money that you could you know that you currently have or even could potentially make. Um, your physical effort can only go so far in light of all these different aspects like your routine. Um, your time, your money, and your mental effort is also, I think, uh, there's, a, there's a limited amount of that you have in any one day before you're just pooped out and need to sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of these things have limits to them. So I think what you're saying is it's up to us to recognize what those limits are and choose actions within those limits, and maybe quite underneath them, so that we're encouraged to move forward with this habit. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good way of looking at those various questions. So finally, in today's episode, we're going to discuss the three different approaches that you can take in order to make a behavior easier. So let's go back to that push-up behavior. We want to start a behavior of doing 100 push-ups a day. Initially, we can go through that ability chain to figure out, can we, you know, like basically, could we answer yes to each one of those questions? pretty much. And if so, we should be able to make a habit out of it, except for the fact that maybe are you physically capable of doing the behavior? Mm, No, you're going zero to 100, probably not. So how can we make that behavior easier in order to carry out? There are three different aspects. Well, and one thing, just to pause real quick, Mm -hmm. you had identified in that example out of these five things, the one that was the weakest of the chain. And if any point in the chain breaks then you're not going to be able to do this thing, right? Correct. So, you know, time, it's probably not going to take you that long. It doesn't cost you anything. Mental effort's nothing. And creating a routine of doing 100 push-ups probably isn't that difficult. But the physical effort, you, re- you recognize that that's the hardest part of the chain 
to get to. So that's the part we want to focus on finding the easy solution to. Exactly. It may be that you don't have enough time. Maybe you have the physical capability of doing 100 push-ups, but you don't have enough time. Like you. Yes. Good point, Adam. <laughs> so from there, uh, we go into three different approaches. These are basically three different ways that we can look at an ability to do something in order to determine whether or not it's easy enough for us to get started. First, do we need to increase our skills? In other words, do we need to learn something that is ultimately going to make the behavior easier? Number two, do we have the right tools or resources in order to make a, an ability happen? One of the ways that I've helped my diet clients with this in the past is prep cooking. Prep cooking is something that you can make a habit out of that can take a lot of time on like a Sunday. So a tool or a resource that I'll often give these people is one, super simple recipes that they can do, um, or two, to say something like, well, if you need lunch for tomorrow, make it the same thing that you're eating tonight mm -hmm. and just cook a double portion. And for some reason, well, I mean, I understand why, because that's why these people are coming to me is for these ideas that can be like mind blowing to them. Like, oh yeah, I can just cook a double portion. And all of a sudden I have a portion for tomorrow's lunch as well. And then third is to look at that behavior again and make it tiny. Hmm. So how much can you pare it down to the point that, you know, I was talking to a client today about needing to run and he said, once I'm outside, the running just seems to happen. It's not a big deal. It's me getting outside. So how can we get him outside? Telling him to go run three miles might just be mentally too much energy for him. He has the physical ability. He's got the time. He has the money. It, he can make it part of his routine. So what can we do is we can break it down so much that it's just put on your running shoes. Just go outside. Hmm. And so now we're focusing on something that's so tiny as just walk outside versus go for a three mile run and then once he's out there he knows that the run is going to happen right yeah i find myself doing things like that um you know even just this last sunday i was thinking i had some extra time uh, it'd be nice to do something physical some exercise i don't normally do on sunday and instead i had a hot chocolate because it was way easier and more delicious <laughs> um i didn't feel like putting on you know all the clothes that i would need because it's cold outside and then you know, thinking about what exactly am I going to do with my time, and it was just easier to drink a hot cocoa. There you go. Okay, let's wrap up ability, not action, ability for this episode. And I'm going to close with a quote actually from the book, Tiny Habits. According to the author, what is the difference between Yahoo and Google, between Blogger and Twitter? Why does one innovation fade and another take over the world? Talent? Vision, money, luck, all of those things and plenty more. But the biggest one is perhaps the most overlooked, simplicity, end quote. Adam, thanks for making it in today with a little spot recording here. I will be back, at least me, very shortly with probably a third episode on this topic of habits. I hope you guys all enjoyed. Thank you for listening. Peace.